spiritual or teaches, you can set in a church service reminders every once in a while. And, and that would, and I have set and listened to things that I already knew, but I said, thank you, God, for reminding me of that today. I need you to keep that before me. There are other times you sit in a church service and a preacher or teacher will teach or preach the Word of God and it will be something new for you. It will be something presented or preached in a way you have never heard it before. I don't call that a reminder. I call that a revelation. So sometimes you hear the Word of God go forth and it's a revelation. A light comes on. That's happened to me countless times. It's like... Wow, I never saw that that way, or I never read that that way. And it touches anybody know what I'm preaching about right now. You, you under, you've had those revelation moments in church as well. And so many times when you are about to receive the Word of God in this church setting like this, as a Christ follower, it will either be a reminder or a revelation. Now, I went down this path to simply let you know that today you'll probably exit this church service saying that was a reminder for me today something very heavy on my heart to remind you of in just a moment we're going to take a text and there's a couple of verses in that text that are so familiar to you you've probably committed them to memory but I heart today ladies and gentlemen you and here's why please hear my heart today ladies and gentlemen I want to let you know this 37 years of full-time ministry, 33 as an evangelist. I can tell you in 2019, as we come to the end and we began to wrap it up, I can tell you my ministry in Costa Rica as well as my ministry stateside, I have never in my entire life and ministry seen God's people under attack the way they're under attack today. I've never seen hell unleash at a level. Hell is unleashing attacks upon God's people. I'm walking through the altars asking people, how can I pray with you? And there are deep, serious needs that are presented to me. It is heavy and deep, ladies and I've never seen the enemy attack like he's attacking this year. It's like hell had a staff meeting and they said, we're, we're going to turn it up in 2019. And, and the for others, it's financial. It's come in all forms. For some of you, they may have been physical challenges. For others, it's financial. Some family. I may be preaching to people today that have emotional challenges. You're struggling with fears and worries. Maybe even having nightmares. But it's all tied to the same enemy, the devil, ladies and gentlemen. It's all tied. So my reminder to you today, in the midst of the attack, and there's no doubt that many of you have your spiritual antenna that is raising because this year has been one of those years for you. My reminder to you today, something I'm going to declare over you all day long with passion like never before, I declare over you, ladies and gentlemen, that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. I know I'm reminding you of something today, but I want to remind you that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper in the name of Jesus. I want to remind you today that every victorious is bringing the Word of God has already declared us victorious in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Throughout this message, 
you will hear me several times stretch my hand out over you and declare over the precious people of God today this. I cancel every attack of the enemy off of your life today. I declare it null and void. I stamp it return to sender today. Hell will not succeed. There's a remnant rising that's not going to receive these attacks. Come on church, we're going to step up. We're going to fight back. No weapon formed is going to prosper in Jesus' name. That's the reminder that you're going to get. Throughout this service today. I need it for myself. Perhaps you do as well. Would you grab your Bible and stand with me. Let's honor the reading of God's word. Please locate the book of Isaiah. The 54th chapter. Isaiah 54. I'll be reading. Isaiah 54. You carry a different translation. It might vary just a little bit. Isaiah 54. While you're finding that. Please let me say how grateful I am. I know many of you uh, follow us on social media. And please know that every one of you that reached out to me last week when my father passed away, please know that that meant so much to us and our family. I didn't have time to respond to every thank you, but so many of you were so kind and your prayers really helped. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. Isaiah 54, if you found it, shout, I'm there. Here we go, verse 11. Now, the Lord is actually speaking, okay, to the city of Zion, God's people here, okay? So, verse 11, he said, O afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will build you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with sapphires, and all your walls. I will make your battlements rubies your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. All your sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. I'm going to say that again. Great will be your children's peace. Great. You know what? I want to do something right now. Why don't you just, everybody, we're going to take 60 seconds. Would you slip your hand to heaven and speak peace over your children and grandchildren? Come on. The Bible just said, great is my children's peace. Father, I thank you that Jordan, Jonathan, and Carissa will experience the peace of God right now. Thank you, Lord, that even as they're attending their church services in Conway, Arkansas, and New York City today, thank you that my children will experience the peace of God today. Thank you that a supernatural peace will be upon my kids. And I come in agreement with every person with their hand in the air right now. Our children and grand and amen. Live in peace and walk in peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. I love what the prophet Isaiah said. Amen. I I declare that over my kids. Great will be your children's peace. Verse 14. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. I received that. Devil, you're about to surrender. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon. 
fit for its work. It is I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon formed against you will prevail. No weapon formed against you will prevail. You will reach, Galatians says, prosper. Will not prosper. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Amen. Father, we receive the prophetic word of Isaiah 54 in this house today. Thank you, Lord, that our children will be at peace. Fear will not come near us. Whoever attacks us will surrender to us in Jesus' name. We stand on the promises of the Word of God, for it is our life's foundation today. Thank you, Lord, for the reminders of your Word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated if you promise to Amen the preacher. All right, we're going to have some fun up in here then. All right. A year ago, I preached a message in this church called Living Above the Snake Line. I preached on snakes. You may or may not inside of message, but since then, the Lord has continued to build inside of my heart an expansion of that. So I'm bringing to you today a very original title, Living Above the Snake Line, Part 2. That's deep, isn't it? I'll give you a minute, huh? That's it. Living Above the Snake Line, Part 2. There is an opening illustration that I'm going to repeat because perhaps many of you did not hear the first one or you forgot it. So let me start with the opening illustration. You may remember it, but it may be a repeat, just so you know. Several years ago, I was in the Smoky Mountains with my parents, and we were vacationing. And... While we were there, I went into this building and I'm, I'm reading some information on this board about the Smoky Mountains. And I'm, I'm going through this information and you know how that, that stuff goes. Some of it you care about, some of it you don't care about. He's got 12, 15, got him reading through. All of a sudden a park ranger walks in and I don't know, he's got 12, 15 people maybe and, and he's giving a tour. Well, I, everybody is different, Okay. But I'm the type of person that I learn more and receive more by listening than reading. Certain people are readers. My wife is a reader. She will, man, she, if she reads it, it helps her attain it more. I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm a listener, and that helps me. Everybody's different. But because I'm a listener, and that's how I learn best, all of a sudden when he walks in and starts doing this, I quit reading and I start listening to him because that's the way I, I learn better. Now, you should know that I'm still faking it. <laughs> I'm acting like I'm reading, but I'm really eavesdropped. How many ever eavesdropped? <laughs> okay, I'm giving an altar call for liars here in just a minute. Y'all, we've all eavesdropped now, huh? So I, I'm not supposed to be in this group. I'm not supposed to be listening. Some of it's good. and I'm Well... You know, again, same thing. This park ranger, he's given stuff. Some of it's good and cool. Some of it, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying, all right? Now, that's not referencing my sermon. I didn't get no amens on that here, huh? 
that's not reference. Okay, so he, he's going on, and, and so finally he's done, and he opened it up to the small group for questions, okay? And so some of them are asking questions that, you know, again, I didn't really matter. But then one question was asked that kind of caused my preacher radar to go up. Somebody asked the question, what kind of animals are, are roaming through the Smoky Mountains here? Somebody asked that. And so, you know, he's going through all these, and then he starts telling this story uh, uh, that I had never heard. Seriously, and he starts talking about this thing called a snake line. Now, I'd never heard of a snake line. So he starts explaining that in every mountain range, not just the Smokies, there is an invisible line. Snakes know where it is. Now, everybody in the room today, you know, we know that, all right? In the mountains, thinner the air, harder it is to breathe. We know that, all right? So he's talking about this line, and if you get so high up, a, a snake's body is not built to take in the oxygen. So it's a snake line. You and I can't see it, but snakes know where it is, okay? So his whole point to this group was, if you get up so high in the mountains, you're not going to have to worry about snakes. That's what he's saying. So I'm listening. I'm going, snake line? What is that? man? So, so you know what? I left. I went and Googled it. I Googled it. <laughs> I say Googled it because it makes me feel 30 when I say Googled it. I Googled it, man. Feel young saying that, huh? So I went and checked it. You know what? It's a real deal. It's a thing. It's got something to do with water elevation and all that. It's a real thing. And I'm reading through this and I'm going, now some of you are smiling here because you already preaching ahead of me. So the park ranger saying you can get up so high, you're not going to have to worry about snakes. You and I are under constant, consistent attacks from a devil who is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. I hope you don't mind, but here's what I prayed for you. You got to know this. I prayed for you today that the presence of God would sweep across this sanctuary so powerful today in worship and preaching that the presence of God would take us so high that everybody in the house today would be living above the snake line in Jesus' name. That God's just going to take us so high in His presence that we're going to be looking down on the attack of the enemy. That He can't touch because no weapon formed against you is going to prosper and I declare every attack from hell is cancelled off of you today greater's he that's in you than he that's the snake line take us so high in your presence today we're going to be living above the snake line please catch this our verse that we're launching from in our text said no weapon formed against us is going to prosper you got to know before I get to my main points, though. The Bible does not say the weapon will not form. It says it won't prosper or it won't prevail. In fact, everybody in the room, even Christ followers today, you know the weapon does form. He comes again. In fact, it's scriptural, ladies and gentlemen. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, he's overcome the world. The psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. 
But the Lord will deliver us from them all. Oh, microphones on. I said, the Lord will deliver us from them all. Yeah, we're going to have trouble. Yeah, the weapon is going to form. But I'm going to stand upon a reminder promise today that when that weapon forms against Lynn Wheeler and his house, it will not prevail, it will not prosper, it will not succeed. It's not going to make me go backward. It's not going to make me come down below the snake line. I'm going to live above the snake line in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Living above the snake line part one, I talked to you about four different snakes. Today's message is only going to be about one snake with three points. The bad news for you is the message is not any shorter. I feel the love in this house right now. I'm feeling the love. We're going to talk about the cobra. That is our snake we are going to focus on today. The cobra. The cobra I have discovered has three main characteristics. And let me just say this before we get into my three points. In case you're sitting there wondering right now, you have to know, I hate snakes. (laughs) There's nothing about them I like. In fact, if you want to make me mad, see me have a rip-snorting conniption fit, lay hands on you without praying, throw a plastic snake at me. That's not funny. That's not funny. I'd like to know, does anybody in the house like snakes? I'm going to preach hard at you today. Look at there. There's going to be 15 people saved in this service today. The cobra. In my studying, I discovered there are three main characteristics of the cobra. Number one, everybody say, here we go. The cobra bluffs accent don't I you want the cobra bluffs sorry I say that with a southern accent don't I you want me to spell it so you can speak southern amen it bluffs cobra we have a picture of a cobra I'll show you a picture of the cobra if you're scared of snakes just hang on all right here's what I want to tell you please let me pull back just a little informational preaching right now to get to where I want to go I discovered that cobras are not particularly muscular snakes. In fact, their fangs are relatively small. And if we put several pictures of several different snakes up next to each other, you and I might look at the cobra and say, that's the wimp of all the snakes. It's small. Its fangs are small. It's not very muscular. So here's what the cobra does. The cobra has developed an elaborate system of bluffing to intimidate anything that it sees. I'll show you. The co- and here's what it does. Can we go to the next picture I want to show you? The cobra then raises up. Do you see what happens? It kind of looks like a half umbrella there. So what is the cobra doing when it feels attacked? It kind of spreads out there a little bit. Looks like it's got an umbrella over it. What's it doing? It's trying to appear bigger and more powerful than it really is. Let's rewind 
all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Remember the conversation that Eve was having with the serpent. We'll not take time to read it, but just remember the conversation. Eve says to the serpent, God said we can eat fruit from any tree in the garden, but not the one in the middle of the garden. If we do that, we're going to die. The serpent popped right back and said, you're not going to die. He noticed the very first time the devil ever opened his mouth, he lied. He contradicted what God said. How many in the house know that if you contradict God, it's not the truth? It's a lie. So the first time he started talking, he lied. I want you to know if the devil's talking to you today, he's lying. He's a liar and the father of liars. So the bluff trying to appear bigger than it really is. I want to declare to you today, the devil is not as powerful as he thinks he is. And he's coming against us with attacks. I want you to know he's bluffing today. If he says anything that contradicts God's word, it's a lie. If he thinks he's more powerful than God, it's a lie. Like It's a bluff. And I understand sometimes you and I feel overwhelmed and overpowered by the cares of this world. And they, it just seems like, and Kim talked to us about this day, just seems like there's no victory and, and we're just under attack. Listen, that may be true and sometimes it may feel like the enemy is more powerful than us. But be of good cheer. He has never been and will never be more powerful than the God that we serve serve ladies and gentlemen so God who resides in us is going to come out of us and help us defeat every attack of the enemy come on I want to know if I got any people in the house ready to call the devil's bluff today I'm ready to call his bluff devil you're coming against me but you're not who you think you are you're not as powerful as you think you are you're not taking me down you can't have my family you can't have my health you can't have my finances you cannot have my emotions I'm calling your bluff today because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper in the name of Jesus I'm calling your bluff Second characteristic of the cobra is it blinds. It blinds. Something very interesting I learned when studying for this message. Cobra, when it feels threatened or feels attacked, has a characteristic. If it thinks somebody or something is coming against it, you know what it does? It spits. Sounds like some church people. Amen. I know some church folks like that. Don't look around. Look up here, folks. They feel they start spinning. Amen. It's a very strange characteristic to me when I'm studying for this. There are two cobras in particular. The Mozambique and the black neck. And these two spit. They aren't spitting saliva. They snakes can't. And zookeepers that work with these two types of snakes can't even go near them without a helmet on. 
Do I need to preach on the helmet of salvation here a little bit? You better keep it on. The, these zookeepers, they, they won't go in because if the cobra might feel threatened by them, that cobra is going to start spitting at them. And understand, the cobra is not aiming for our skin. Because if the venom from the cobra hits our skin, it just burns us and leaves a little rash on us. Cobras don't aim for our skin, they aim for our eyes. That's what they're going for. That's why the zookeeper has got the helmet on. Because the cobra has been proven to be successful. This venom is ejected with a velocity equivalent to a water pistol. Four to eight fast it can come. It can travel four to eight feet. And in studies done, these types of cobras can hit a human being in the eye 19 out of 20 times. And it comes so fast at us, the velocity of a water pistol, that most human beings cannot move quickly enough to get out of the way. Why is the cobra ejecting the venom through spit to get to our eyes? Because he knows if he can blind us, it cripples us in our fight. The purpose of the cobra is to blind us. Not just our flesh where it burns, but literally in our eyes. When I was growing up, and every single year, I was raised in a pretty wild Pentecostal church in Oklahoma. And every single year, our pastor would bring in an evangelist. His name was Herschel Moore. And even as a teenager, I remember Herschel Moore was a, a blind evangelist. He was blind. When our pastor would introduce him, he came several times. His wife would lead him to the platform and lay his Bible and notes out. And, of course, everything was in Braille. And, and Herschel Moore would come and, and, and he would preach. And I remember one thing about Herschel Moore was he was one of those old-time Pentecostal preachers. You know, anybody ever heard? Get real red in the face, spit on the first five rows. <laughs> You know what, you remember that, all right? But even as a teenager, I remember Herschel Moore, and, and he, he was running his hand across, because everything was in Braille, and he was preaching the gospel. And even as a teenager, when nothing impresses you, you know, I remember sitting in church service every year he would come, and I remember thinking, how a handicap, cool and awesome is it, that a man would not allow a handicap to keep him from the calling of God on his life. I just always thought that about Herschel Moore. And, and when I'm studying for this and I'm talking about blindness, it came back to me. And so I went and researched a few things that actually amazed me, ladies and gentlemen. I came across a man by the name of John Bramblett. He is a blind artist. An artist who can't see. I can't even draw stick people. He's a blind, and folks, he's got to be good because he's won three presidential awards. Blind kid. I, man, that is so, I applaud people like that. I, I came across a man, his name is Pete Eckert. He's a blind photographer. 
What? Every picture I take is dark black. Nothing's right. I can't. It just um, to a place. The reason why I went down this trail is to take you to a place and give you a name of one of the most popular blind people. Her name is Helen Keller. And I took you here because I want you to hear a quote from Helen Keller that speaks loudly to me. Helen Keller said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. And so you and I as Christ followers, we now turn to the Word of God and we find, especially in the Old Testament, that God referred people like that in Scripture a whole lot. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 21, he referred to a group of people who have eyes but do not see. In Isaiah 43 verse number 8, he talked about a group of people He said this, Lead out those who have eyes but are blind. My observation is that at spitting, the enemy is becoming quite successful at spitting that poisonous venom and landing in the eyes of God's people and the church world. And the church world is becoming blind to the will and the ways of God. We are now blinded by it. It is prophetically proclaimed in the Word of God, Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Tell me, church, if this is not happening in our world, when Isaiah prophesied, chapter 5 and verse 20, there will be a day we began to call evil good and good evil. Are we there? Man, you watch the news. You re- they are championing evil as good. And with just as loud a voice, they are calling good evil. The word has gotten in the eyes of the world. It has come full circle. And that poison's gotten in the eyes of the world and even in the eyes of the church world. And we're becoming blind. Can I call upon Grace Outreach today to do this with the psalmist? Psalm 141, verse number 8, when he said, My eyes are fixed on you, Lord, and in you I will take refuge. My eyes are fixed on you, Lord. My eyes are fixed on you, Lord. I'm not blinded by all of the evil that that they're trying to portray. You know they're trying to portray the church as evil, ladies and gentlemen. There's got to be a remnant that stands up and see. no, I see what you do not see. I've not been blinded by that. Come on, everybody lift your hand to heaven right now and just say, my eyes are fixed on you, Lord. Come on, look up to heaven and say, my eyes are fixed on you, Lord. My eyes are fixed on you. I refuse to be blinded by the enemy. In hitting the eye, I got a question for you. I told you the cobra is successful in hitting the eye between four and eight feet. I got a question for you. What are you doing that close to the devil? That's too close. There is no reason for you to be that close. That's too close. 
We're going to step back with the helmet of salvation on. Go ahead, devil. Spit all you want. But my eyes are fixed on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's where I'm going to take refuge. That's where my help comes from. And if my eyes are fixed on Him, I will not sink when the storm comes. In Jesus' name. The cobra bluffs, the cobra blinds. And number three, I'll close with this. He bites. He bites. I remind you in point number one that the cobra is not very muscular and his fangs are small. So to kill prey, the cobra acts bite and run snakes. A lot of snakes will bite and run. Because when they bite, that poison starts going through our body. That's not what the cobra does. When the cobra bites, he hangs on. He latches on because he's not strong. And so he's trying to hold on and become stronger and stronger with his bite. And I know I'm preaching to some people in this house that you have felt the effect of the attack of the enemy. And it's like he's got his grip on you and he's not letting go. It's the same physical struggles. It's the same emotional struggles. It's the same sin struggles. And it's over and over. And that enemy is not going to let go. Can I tell you, I'm sorry. I, I got no other way to preach it. But if you're a child of God, just please know from my heart. I love you. I got to be honest with you and tell you the battle will never, ever end. It won't. I wish I could tell you if you just make it through this one, then, then you're home free. It's, it's not true because the enemy bites and he hangs on. He's not going to let go, destroy. Purpose, steal, kill, destroy. He hangs on to that bite. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to know how many people in the house today, you, you would trust me that if I take you to the Word of God and we take a brand new text right now, you would trust me that I'm not going to start all over and preach a whole nother sermon. <sighs> only half of you, only half of you. But I got to take you here, okay? I got to take you here. I want you to go with me. You got your Bible? Acts 28. Go with me. We're going to look at a story. I promise we're close to the end. This is not starting all over. Acts 28. Now remember, Paul and a group of men are out sailing. A storm has come and pushed them to an island called Malta, okay? Acts 28, verse 1. Verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out the island. Everybody say favor. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. Everybody say favor. That's what that is. Showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us, us all, because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. And as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Verse 5, But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. 
The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Two things I want to point out. First of all, did you notice in our story right there how fickle people are? There's the snake. Now he's a god. Oh, he's a murderer. He shook it off. Now he's a god. Now, folks, in case you're not tracking with me today, that's two opposite ends of the spectrum. See how fickle people are? Oh, I'm not preaching anything you don't know. I can preach it from personal experience, and you can receive it from personal experience. When you're under attack, everybody's got their judgment. They got their words. They went from thinking he was a murderer to a god. Neither one were true. Neither one. The other thing I want you to notice is, Paul got attacked by a snake, and he was trying to do good. Did you see what our text said? Everybody was cold. It was raining. Paul thought, you know what? I'll just get some wood, and I'll build a fire, and it'll help everybody warm up. Anybody know how Paul feels? His good deeds, the devil attacked. Does anybody know how Paul feels? You weren't hurting anybody. You're not trying to do any harm to anybody. You're only trying to help. All of a sudden, there's the devil. And that snake jumped out and fastened itself to his head. But I love what the Bible said. Paul did not scream like a girl and run. I may have. I'm just saying. Paul didn't scream like a girl in my... What the Bible say Paul did? He just shook it off. Come on, everybody get your hand right now. Come on, shake it off so much the person next to you looks at you funny. Come on, come on, there you go. Just shake it off. And here's what I love. Paul shook it off. Did you see what the Bible said? Paul not only shook it off, but he shook it off with no ill effects. In other the poison got in, the attack had no lasting effect on him. If the poison got in his body, it got right out of his body. That devil tried to hang on. Paul shook it off with no ill effects. I'm going to declare that the attacks of the enemy on your life will have no ill effects. I'm going to declare that something's not going to come up next week and come back and bite you. Something's not going to come back up next month or next year. When we shake it off, we're shaking the devil back into the fire and he's burning up because no weapon formed against me is going to succeed. It's not going to prosper. I know his blood and I'm calling it he will not be successful in blinding me and I'm going to command today for me and you he loosens his grip in this house he loosens it we shake it off with no ill effects nothing is going to come back because greater promise than he that's in the world close with this line I promise Ask your neighbor, do you believe him? Do you believe him this time? Do you believe him? All right. I promise. I want this to lodge in your spirit. And I am closing. 
I pray for every single one of us. We will live above the snake line with the devil under our feet. I will live above the snake line with the devil under my feet. I will live above the snake line with the devil under my feet. Father, thank you for your promises and all the reminders we receive today. Thank you that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. Thank you. Thank you that my children are at peace. I learned that today. Thank you that I can shake off the attack and it's not going to have any ill effects. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that victory is mine. And even though the weapon forms, it won't prevail. Because greater is he that's in me. In the world. Heads are bowed, please. Eyes are closed. God's people praying across the sanctuary today. I have two questions I'd like to ask. The first one's the most important. Because I do not know the spiritual condition of every person in the house today. My first question is this. Are you in right relationship with Jesus Christ? Is He the Lord of your life? Is He the Savior of your soul? Or today do you have unconfessed sin in your life? You need forgiveness of sin and you need to make things right between you and the Lord. I want to pray with you first. If you're here and say, Lynn, that's me. I I need forgiveness of sin. I want to make things right between me and the Lord. Put your hand up and look at me. Nobody else is looking at me, but I need you to. Thank you. There's one, two, three, four. God bless you. Wait till I point to you before you put your hand down. There's been four. There's been four. I'm searching the sanctuary. I'll wait. Four people responded very quickly. I rejoice in that. I rejoice in that. One more time, scanning the church, starting on my far right, your far left in this section. Anybody else? Slip your hand up, make eye contact with me. Moving to the next middle section here. Anybody? Say, Lynn, I want to join these four. Thank you. There's number five. God bless you. Six. Thank you for being honest, young lady. Thank you. Thank you. The section on my far left, your far right. I'm looking specifically right here, right now. Anybody else join these six? All right, church, stand with me, please. Everyone standing all over the church right now. All over the church. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask the entire church, and especially these six, I'm going to ask you today to pray a prayer with us. Everybody loudly and boldly, would you repeat after me and say, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me, Lord, to do my best to live for you. From this moment on, I declare, Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen. Praise God. Six new people born in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. We rejoice in that today. We want these six people to receive. Pastor may give some direction. We want to meet you some way, somehow. Would you connect with us at the end of the service? Pastor may give you direction on right where to go. Before I turn the service back to Pastor. Heads are up. Eyes are open. 
I'd like to have the privilege and honor of praying for you right now, right where you are in your journey with the Lord. Because I know that many of you resonate with the message today and you're under attack. And I want to pray a prayer over you before I turn the service back to Pastor Kent. I just want to join my faith with yours that we will persevere and we will prevail in the name of Jesus. Who would say by an uplifted hand, Lynn, include me in that prayer. I am under attack right now. God sees that. God sees Would you join hands with somebody or lay your hand up on them? Let's pray one for another. Father, I pray for this precious congregation right now. Thank you, Lord, for the connection that I have, the people that I love. And I pray special today, Lord, as over half of this church raise their hand, acknowledging the attack of the enemy on their life. And I thank you today that victory is ours, and I declare that. Today we shake off the attack of the enemy with no ill effects. Thank you that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Lord, I ask you to honor every tear that's flowing down people's faces right now. Would you honor those tears? Some are in a battle and it's intense. It's hard and the enemy is coming at them. He's bluffing, biting, and spitting our direction. But thank you today that I can declare and cancel every attack of the enemy off of our life today. I cancel it right now. I deem it null and void and stamp it return to sender. Devil, you will not succeed. We're living above the snake line with the devil under our feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.